Hello, welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Miles Hunter. Hey, Miles, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm a Brit who has been living in the Pacific Northwest since 2008. Uh, these days I live out on Samish Island, which is about halfway between Seattle and Vancouver in the Skagit Valley. Uh, for work, I'm a, a UX researcher for a retail company. And uh, outside of work, I like photography, videography, and I'm a very keen but talentless woodworker. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. It could, it could be a calling card. Keen but talentless. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Miles, how about what's one of your favorite tools you'd like to share with us? Well, related to the woodworking, actually, the first tool I'd like to share is a product that not enough people know about, and it's called Evaporust. <gasps> I'm holding yeah. up here is a, uh, a one-gallon jug of the stuff, uh, which retails for about 30 bucks. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I've never seen it on the shelf in a hardware store. Yeah, you're right. I haven't either. And it is a great product. And the backstory here is that I inherited a bunch of woodworking tools from uh, my in-laws, uh, you know, chisels, hand planes, spoke shaves, those kinds of things. And they've been kept outside in a shed. And so they were pretty rusty. And I set about uh, trying to restore them. And so that began my journey into rust removal. And after several unsuccessful attempts, I landed upon Evapo Rust. And it's such a great product. Um, I think the main reason I like it is it is comparatively non-toxic and, and it doesn't off-gas, it doesn't stink, it won't eat your glove like some unnamed products I've used in the past. Uh, it is, uh, you know, seemingly pretty inert uh, and you can you can leave a part in it for as long as you like and it's not going to, like, devour the metal. Uh, so it's, it's really quite safe to use uh, and you can reuse it, which you would kind of expect if you paid 30 bucks for a gallon of it. I think I bought mine back in 2021 and I'm still using it. And when you're done using it, uh, according to the bottle, at least, you can just pour it down the sink. It is drain safe. It's pH neutral. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is miracle stuff. As you say, quite magical. And I have also, like you, gone through a journey trying different things. This is the <laughs> only one that seems to actually work. How it works is beyond me. I mean, chemically, I have no idea what it's doing. Right. I think I read somewhere, but it's very complicated. And as you said, one of the attractions to me is the fact that I can put my hands in it and mess around and um, there's no smell. So, yeah, it's really great. Exactly. I definitely have some tips for getting the most out of it that I've okay. learned. The first is that it's really temperature dependent. Ah. So don't be putting, you know, a rusty thing in a bucket full of this stuff and leaving it in your garage during the middle of winter and hoping that it's going to work. I think the website says it works between 65 and 125 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can even, if it's a small part, and I've done this before, put it in a saucepan on, you know, on the stove and heat it up a bit. And as chemistry would dictate, it happens a lot quicker when you do that. So you can speed it along with heat. Uh, the other thing I've found is that although it does have some kind of degreaser in it, so some kind of detergent, I think, so it can sort of get around some grease, it works a lot better and quicker if you've already degreased the item. I know for uh, restoring bits of hand planes, I've, uh, I've actually put things in the dishwasher before. Uh -huh. uh, which uh, thoroughly degreased them. And then they might look a bit 
rustier when they come out, but that rust goes away incredibly quickly. It's just flash rust. Right. So um, decreasing first helps. And also it definitely helps to have a plan for what you're going to do when you pull it out of the evapor rust, because all of that virgin metal is just dying to rust right away. Uh, so whether that's, I don't know, WD-40 on a rag, um, something I've been using is this stuff, which is called OE Shield T9. Have you used this before? No, I don't know that. It's an aerosol. It's about 20 bucks. I think it was invented by, or it says developed by the Boeing company. It describes itself as waterproof lubrication, and it kind of looks like WD-40, uh -huh. but you spray it on and it dries to a sort of clear, thin wax finish. Uh. I heard about it from my brother-in-law, who's a carpenter. He uses it on all of his tools. And so that's what I, that's what I do when I pull something out of the evapor rust. You've got to rinse it off, by the way. Sorry, you've got to rinse off the ev yeah. evapor rust. That's got to come off first. Get that under the, you know, just under the faucet. Dry it off, and then use something like WD forty or or Bowie right. Shield to protect it. That's great, great tips. That seems perfectly sensible. Um, yeah, and and uh, like you, the only place I found that has been on Amazon, and so um, and you can get it different quantities. I think as you well, can. you can, yeah. Um, um, and I still have my original gallon jug as well. So <laughs> apparently, when it goes black, that's when you get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks. That's a great one. Um, Miles, what's a, what's another one in your toolkit? Uh, oh, let's go electronic. Um, so there's a service called Incogni, I-N-C-O-G-N-I, that I use. It's a subscription, and I think I pay about five bucks a month. And uh, this is in the realm of sort of privacy and data security. Um, so... What what this is, is a very narrowly defined agreement, I guess, almost like a power of attorney, you grant Incogni. And it's specifically for going after data brokers to remove your data. Um, so you give them a little bit of data, for example, you know, your phone number, your date of birth, and, and permission to do this on your behalf. And then in the background, they are constantly pinging data brokers saying, mm -hmm. if you've got any data on this person, delete mm -hmm. it and stop tracking it. And they also keep going back to them as well. So it's like having a team of people mm -hmm. who are constantly getting you opted out of stuff. And I think it's five or $6 a month, which to me seems like a really good value. And what is the, did you have a problem? I mean, I, I data brokers may have a lot on me. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter to me or it doesn't seem to affect me. Was there a problem that you were confronted with that this is trying to overcome? I think it, it boils down to advertising in that I know that I am quite easily influenced by advertising. And I was finding myself being pitched things, you know, that I'd looked at on other sites. They knew your soft spots. And they were, did. And yeah. I, I know them too. So uh, I would much rather not have incredibly accurate advertising in front of me. Right. Uh, so that was one reason. Also, uh, I have a suspicion that it actually improves your security in terms of I've heard of people getting scammed mm -hmm. and the, they got scammed because the scam involved personal information mm -hmm. that made it seem more realistic. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, by pulling my information out of all of those search databases, mm -hmm. it makes you somewhat more secure. And um, yeah, so that, that's what, that's why I did it. I, I, 
was wondering whether you were going to ask me, well, does it work? And of course, that's very difficult to to tell. Every month I get an email saying, um, can I give me a dashboard saying, you know, this is how many data brokers we've pinged, this mm-hmm. many had data on you, and it gives you an activity log and tells you where they've been removed from. So I know that they're doing something. And I have actually on, I think, two occasions received angry emails from data brokers basically implying that Incogni was hassling them. And that alone is worth $5 a month. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So in in these monthly reports, what would they, on average, or typically kind of report like a a dozen or so saying they found a dozen or so brokers? I mean, I have no idea how many brokers are out there in, in total, but are they finding something every month that they're um that you're enlisted in yes although they don't really break it down about what they've done in the last month but i'm looking at my dashboard now and they've said they've had 175 requests sent to data brokers there are 50 that have started processing 125 have checked and confirmed that they are now not holding your data and then 32 have added me to a suppression list indicating they will no longer collect trade or store information about me. but it doesn't say how many actually had information about you that they've withdrawn it it does not it does not um correct yeah um okay so um and 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 of course the bigger question is how much do you trust them um, which is a fair question these it days. Is. So I, I agree. I'd heard about these services and I was reticent because of exactly that issue. Right, right. The reason I sort of plumped for Incogni is that my VPN provider, who is NordVPN, yeah, uh-huh. they actually did a sort of promotion with them. And I trust them and know people right, right. who work for that company. And I figured if a company that cares that much about its right, reputation right. is going to get into bed with them, then okay. it's good enough for me. So I took I took a risk and I certainly haven't regretted it so far. Okay, great. Um, so uh, the next one on your list, you have a third choice for us. I do, I do. This uh, let's go back to the physical world. Uh, this is a method of attaching uh, papers together. I had always. Um, called it a Japanese paper clipper, and that's what it was, I, I heard it was called. Um, and it's about, I don't know, five inches long, handheld, and it has a thumb uh, button on the top, and you push it along. I will demonstrate its use and describe it as we go. Right. We have a sheaf of papers here, and you put them in here, and you move your thumb along, right. and it opens up a clip, and with a very satisfying thunk, it deploys a little steel clip that's about thumbnail sized. It's almost like a little binder clip with no arms on it. Right, right. And it deploys that and uh, clips paper together. And I like this because it is more secure than a paper clip. And I've definitely had issues where stacks of paper sort of, you know, a sheet goes missing. Uh uh, And that's not going to happen here. And it's way less uh, destructive than Uh a staple. You know, you're right. not having to like, if you want to scan that stack of papers, you don't have to like pick the, the staple out and right, right, right. and make holes in it. I mean, I would, I wouldn't use that on, I don't know, my birth certificate, but like it, it doesn't, it doesn't mess the paper up. Right, right, right. And uh, holds it very securely. It's very space efficient. So if you've got a lot of them, unlike a binder clip, which is quite 
bulky. Uh-huh. You can have stacks of these and right, right. It, uh, it doesn't uh, take up too much room. And it's also just very pleasing to use. <laughs> so how about, it requires a little device to put it on. How yes. about take it off? Can, does it slide off if you need to? It, it does. I will demonstrate right now. You just slide it off like that. Okay, so all right. It is fine. And, you know, it does leave a slight imprint on it. Right, uh-huh. But, you know. And nothing. then are they reusable? Very reusable, very cheap, and you can, I mean, these ones are little steel things, but you can get colored ones, so I guess you could even use them to oh, mean something, you know, your right. color code things. So, but, um, 20 years ago, that would have been incredibly useful, because we were still swimming in paper. Do you have very much paper left in your life? So, my partner is in real estate, and it is very mm. common that when I come through to my home office in the morning, that there will be a contract sitting on my chair or the printer or the desk. And I have no idea if that needs to be shredded or it is <laughs> the most important document in the house. So I have learned that it is better to securely clip things together. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yes, to answer your question, there is a lot of paper in my life. Yeah, well, yes, and because of real estate, which is shockingly still paper-based yes. uh, to a degree that yes. only might be outdone by the medical world. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, fair enough. Okay. So that's a little device. What's it called again? Well, I always called it a Japanese paper clipper, but it seems to be a clam clipper or a clam paper clip is what they come clam, up with. Like, 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 like an oyster clam? Correct. Clam yeah. Clip. And I, I had I had a look online to see, well, how much are these things? I mean, I've got an yeah. Amazon listing here, a three pack. So that's three of the things with uh, 30 of, oh, no, 124 metal clips and 50 colorful ones. So that's three yeah. of them with a total of 174 clips is yours for the princely sum of $13.99. Yeah. And on Timu, uh, there's a nice looking one going for two bucks forty eight, although it doesn't come with as many things. So yeah. this is not an expense. This may be the least expensive tool that's ever featured on Cool Tools. <laughs> it may, you're right. It may very well be. So yes, yeah, so it's a little. It's a little uh, substitute for a stapler, basically. Yes, it really is. Um, a very neat one, and uh, it does have a nice design uh, aesthetic. So, Miles, that's really great. So, so what's what's a fourth tool in your toolbox? So, let's go electronic again. Um, let's talk about a piece of software. It's called Topaz Video AI is the name of it, um, and this is available on Mac and Windows, and it is for, as the name would suggest, uh, doing stuff with video and. The scenario I found myself in, how I discovered it, and it does a few different things, but the reason I started using it was that I had a drone and I had shot some video of me flying over a beach and I thought I would set some music to it and it would be very majestic and I'd put it on my social media and impress everybody. But when I loaded it up into my video editor, I realized I had flown way too quickly and it just looked kind of silly. So I just tried to slow it down and realized that that's actually very difficult to do for a video editing software. It was very lumpy and it looked terrible. So I sort of started researching to see like, how, how can you make a video slow-mo? And that's when I discovered Topaz. It uses, you know, AI machine learning cleverness to come up with additional video frames. Uh, so you may have shot it in, I think I shot mine in 24 frames per second. 
uh, and you can tell it that you would actually quite like, uh, I know, 100 frames a second, and it will use uh, machine learning to come up with the additional <laughs> three frames, uh, and it does an astonishingly good job of it. And then you can then slow that down and, and, and do what you need with it. So that's how I discovered it. It does other stuff too, though. Uh, I also, as a pandemic project, I had all of our family kind of the home home movie camcorder type videos, had them professionally digitized by a company to give me the best possible copy of a VHS. Uh-huh. And uh, in looking at them to 2023 eyes, they look absolutely terrible. And I wondered whether I could use this tool to do anything with them. And yes, you can. So for example, you can take a terrible looking VHS video clip, which is an interlaced format. So mm-hmm. really it's showing every other line, every other frame. You can throw it into Topaz and it will use that same machine learning cleverness to you know, fake the other, the, the missing lines. So uh, that you can get what appears to be, you know, 60 frames per second out of a VHS tape. Kind of like an up res. Yeah. And, and in fact, you can also up the resolution. It will also do that. That's very easy to push too far. I mean, you can tell it to make an 8K video out of a VHS, but it's going to look absolutely insane. But you could probably get 480p out of, out of, a, out of a VHS. And it has, uh, it's, it's quite simple to use. Uh, it has some sliders, but it's kind of, you know, it kind of runs itself really, unless you want to get under the hood and it can remove noise. It can remove compression. So even like a bad video that you shot on your old phone, it can improve that kind of thing. Uh, it can increase the resolution. It can remove sort of artifacting from the video, mm-hmm. that kind of thing it can do. And, um, Right now, AI being the rage, um, there must be other companies offering something. Did you get to compare others? Uh, and is if you did, is why is this one superior? I uh, I certainly I started with Premiere Pro, which is my video editor of choice, and and it will claim to do something similar, but it just is really lumpy and just mm-hmm. doesn't work very well. There are open source. Uh, packages available to do some of this stuff, but they are sort of very command line driven. And I I started tinkering with them, but got quickly bored. Uh, I think part of the problem is that the, the, when you're doing this kind of stuff, it's incredibly computationally intensive. It will really hammer your machine. And one of the features that's great about Topaz is, you know, you put your, you know, 45 minute camcorder recording of you in the elementary school play aged seven in and uh, you can preview just a little segment of it and say okay what would it look like if i move this slider over here and that over there and it'll probably take several minutes to figure that out and you can look at it and go oh no i've taken it a bit too far let's uh let's dial it back a bit and so that's a feature that i really appreciate about it i haven't i haven't come across any other packages that do exactly this kind of thing i in looking up the price for this podcast, I realized that it's now a lot more expensive than it was when I bought it. I think I paid 99 bucks for it. I can't remember if that was like a year-long license or in perpetuity, but now I think it's 299 a year. So if you were either in video or you are doing a specific project like I would like to 
you know, improve all of my family's videos from right. the 1980s, then it, it might be worth it. But it's certainly not a cheap piece of software. There is a trial and you can monkey around with it and see right. if you get uh, good results. And uh, you, you you mentioned um, the computational intensity. So I presume that this is not an app that's running on your machine. Is it uh, is it web-based where you are uploading nope. your, your, your bits and it's going to process there? No, it is local. It uses your machine. Oh, it is local. Uh, I will but say it's still it runs requiring a subscription. Yes, and it it runs. Um, I would say it runs better on a Mac. At least I have a one of the new M2 Silicon Macs, and it will chew through video much quicker on my MacBook Air than my hand-built, ridiculous gaming PC, which in theory is a lot more powerful. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, but I can, you know, I can feel it heat up when it's doing it. There's also no pause button. So when you kind of hit go, you're kind of committed. Right. And it could take a day to do right. some of this stuff. So, 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 so it's, so it's actually processing on your own computer. Um, but the subscription is a per month or per year. I think it's per year. And I will say that they do update it incredibly regularly. Like, Every time I open it, there's a new update and there's an updated out there's an updated model and you know it gets smarter and better and has better defaults. Uh, so you can see they are very actively developing it. I guess I hadn't really thought about the idea that I'm paying them a subscription but using my own electricity and computer. <laughs> but, <laughs> so maybe I'll think about that around renewal time. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, also, just given the speed of things, uh, it would astound me if there weren't competitors at this point. Um, yes. There are plenty of, of ones for still photos. I know because I've done exactly. enough up, upresing of still images. Um, yep. And there are free ones on the web that will do one or two, you know, which you need occasional ones without paying anything. Um, so, um, but but this is um, this your endorsement for the one that's reliable and has a great user interface is really great. Um, it says, yeah, here's buy for $300. So, yeah, um, try it for free. Yeah. I would um, yeah play around with it and 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 see see what uh, what mileage you get from it. Right, right. I, I do agree that if you had a big project like um, redoing all your family images, you could do it. If you could rent them by month, that might pay too. Better, yes, agreed. Um, well, that's really really great, Miles. Thank you so much for those. Um, do you have anything you want to share with our audience? Sure. Uh, well, if anybody does want to find me, uh, they can find me at uh, at mileshunter.com. We'll take you to this page and you can find links to our Airbnb out on Samish Island, a great place okay. to explore the go. Skagit Valley. And if you're in the Northwest and need a, a real estate agent who, uh, okay. <laughs> who, who clips contracts together very securely, then you can find <laughs> Yes, right. Your paperwork will be done tidily. Yes. Absolutely. You can find a link to her right here. Uh, for the no doubt small number of people who listen to this who are in the same industry as me in either they're either a UX researcher or maybe they're a designer or a product uh -huh. manager who also does some UX research. I do offer paid mentoring and I've also just put a course on sale, which is all about how to use video more effectively as a way of communicating what you learn through the kind of research that people do. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, there's, yeah, that's, work. that's really great. So that's at uh, that's in your link. Uh, it's at milesunter.com. Milesunter.com. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things. One is 
I am totally convinced that our culture has moved away from the book and text and that the moving image is the center of our culture right now. Yes. So I'm um, 100% with you on the value of video and understanding how it works and doesn't. Um, and then um, I also uh, am interested, UX user interface basically is, I think a shift is going on there away from the GUI, the graphical user interface to the conversational mm-hmm. user interface. We're having a conversation right now. It's a very human thing. That's basically the way we're going to be interacting with AIs, uh, at least in the near term, and figuring out um, what works, what doesn't work, how how to you know exploit that the best way, how to make it um, something that we can use. But I think we're going to be involved in educating ourselves too. I think we're we've actually been trained to use the graphical user interface. That's not necessarily intuitive that there's a drop-down menu and you mm-hmm. have dialogue boxes and you've got a, if you see a little triangle thing, you, you got to query whether it expands or not. The, 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 we've been trained. And so there'll be some training about the conversational user interface, but um, that's a wonderful frontier. Yes, I think it's it's going to be an interesting few years, I think, uh, with, you know, these conversational AI uh, systems essentially sidestepping the GUI, like yeah. rather oh, than yeah. making your website or app, except, you know, usable, it's doing that. It's, it's sidestepping all of your, uh, all of your work there. It's yeah. There's lots of things we don't know. I mean, the, one of the advantages of the graphical thing is you can quickly show all the options available yes. at a glance. You can see what else is possible in a conversational interface. That's not obvious. It's like, well, so, how do we present the possible choices in a way that's not going to overwhelm you? Um, it may be that eventually in the long term there's some kind of combination of the two, but mm-hmm. um, but there's there's lots of challenges for a conversational interface. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh Miles, thank you so much. Um, it was a delight chatting with you and thank you for sharing what you know and volunteering that was uh, a lot of fun long time listener first time caller etc so that was great to finally connect right i love the your airbnb do you have an airbnb where you actually are at home uh, the classic kind or is it a separate unit it is a separate unit that's on our property okay perfect go visit miles airbnb in the northwest <laughs> All right. All righty. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks again. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, 
please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something you use to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you. <laughs>